I don't know, 10 million musicians. I don't know how many hundreds of releasing music on Spotify, but I'm the only person who has a podcast where that I know of that has a podcast where I write songs about the guests. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Joe Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello. My name is Ellie Dodds and I am co-presenter and today Joe is interviewing Jack Stafford. Jack's new album, Deeper, is a series of self-help songs that will help people get perspective on the current corona crisis. The songs are inspired by his own life experiences and mental struggles. From a toy boy lifestyle in Amsterdam that led to a breakdown after his fashion business failed, to living as a nomadic troubadour, visiting 45 countries by bicycle and playing over 700 house concerts in return for a place to sleep. He developed through all these experiences, countless self-help books and podcasts, and Vipassana meditation. Jack is a documentary songwriter, a modern-day troubadour, writing non-fictional songs, always with a goal to either instruct, educate, or maintain a historical record. His self-help project is the middle piece in a trilogy of body, mind spirit albums the body was tackled with his ayurveda songs jack lives in seclusion in the south of italy when not making music he is an ayurvedic practitioner meditation teacher acro yoga dilettante permaculture gardener racing cyclist founder of copywriter collective student of metaphysics and italian representative of the Aetherius society back to the studio Today I'm interviewing Jack Stafford. Welcome Jack, thanks for joining me. Hey, how are you doing Joe? Great to be here. Lovely, so uh, we had a bit of a false start earlier. I had the plumber here, he's now on his way out the door so we should be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Shouldn't be any unexpected noises in the background, hopefully not anyway. (laughs) So start by telling us a bit about who you are, uh, what you do and crucially where you do it. Well I'm in Italy, I'm speaking to you today from my home in Italy. Okay. Where I, yeah, I lived here. I was a traveling musician before this. Um, and my, my girlfriend brought me back to Italy as a souvenir after our adventures <laughs> around Asia. Um, I was uh, playing house concerts. So I just played in people's living rooms. I got booked through the couch surfing network and the warm showers. I toured a lot by bicycle as well. And yeah, so now I'm settled in Italy, living the quiet life. Wow. <laughs> That sounds so interesting. I, I don't I don't know where to start apart from at the beginning, really. <laughs> <laughs> I loved in your bio, you talked about being a, a an original troubadour or, or a modern day troubadour or something. And, uh, super troubadour. Super troubadour. <laughs> isn't that a bit Abba-like? No, that's probably the wrong part of music, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I got it. <laughs> so, um, wow. So, so tell us how, how this all came about. <laughs> did you... Did you decide you were going to do this when you left school as a career? <laughs> uh, I didn't take that class was not available. No. I worked, actually worked as a copywriter for 10 years in Amsterdam. Um, so I did the business thing. Um, and I got, yeah, I was good at it. I had a company, Copywriter Collective, it's still going. Um, yeah, so I've done the business thing. I poured all my energy into that. But and also mm-hmm. had a fashion business. I was a clothes designer as well. I did suits with a zip and I had a shop in Amsterdam for them. And I kind of got a bit burnt out, you know, I was doing like, like many high achievers. I didn't achieve high, but I, I, I aimed to be a high achiever and I, uh, I worked too hard and I burnt myself out. So, uh-huh. you know, and I went traveling around the world full time being, cause I, already, I was already a musician for that as well. So I was on MTV in America, in, um, in, in, uh, in Amsterdam and Holland and I was touring around Europe a lot. So yeah, part-time as well as holding down the job. Mm-hmm. So, but then I kind of quit all that and I went full time as a traveling musician. I visited 40 countries, um, played all, drove all around America, across Canada, played all, played every hen house, 
that would have me. Uh, I switched to house concerts because it was easy to get a gig, but hard to get an audience. Right. So now I'm now now and I, I now I only play online after all of that because I've played hundreds and hundreds of shows and written hundreds of songs, and now I've switched to just doing. Uh, I've actually started my own podcast, which I've just launched. Right. So um, don't mean to be a competitor to you. I mean, you've already got. <laughs> I'm not in the same niche as you, so I'm sure we're not competitive. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. I'm learning a lot from you, and I look from your from your from your lessons. So, <laughs> but I'm doing where I write a song about every guest. So I combine my music with uh, my songwriting. So after the the guest gets the gift of a song afterwards. I'm feeling like I'm not measuring up already. <laughs> <laughs> what do I get? What do I get after this? I know. I know. Certainly not a song. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So when you said um, traveling around, um, doing concerts through the couch, would you say couch surfing? Couch surfing is hospitality. Yeah. yeah. You reminded me of, now I can never remember her name, Neil Gaiman's wife, a musician in America who basically crowdsourced her career through doing sort of similar things. She talks, she does a really good TED talk where she talks about how she used to be one of those um, uh, performers where where they stand still all day, you know, dressed in silver or, or whatever in the middle of London. Statue, yeah. 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 And, um, and then she ended up going and basically staying with people when she was traveling around, you know, giving concerts and so on. And basically her fans put her up. And, um, oh, what's her name? I have to remember to put in the, in the show notes, but she's Neil Gaiman's wife, if that helps anyone <laughs> who's listening. <laughs> um, but is it something, I mean, I'd never heard of it until she talked about it. Um, you obviously travelled around a lot um, doing that. Did, was it something you'd come across before? Did it just happen? Was it in a plan or not? How, how did that all Yeah, it was, it's a big thing also in Germany as well. You kind of... You know, the because on when you're touring, often you can play on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, but the Monday, yes. Tuesday, and the Wednesday are dead nights. But everyone has 20 friends in a living room, uh, so you just fill in those dates with with house concerts. And sometimes the house concerts pay much better than the gig shows, and people listen. They're sitting; it's a listening room. Mm. There's no distractions. Whereas if you're playing in a bar, you can just really be background music. So, yes, yeah. yeah. But pre-COVID, obviously, now. Uh, yeah, Even not quite the same, is it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Actually, I've I've participated on the other end. It wasn't in our house, but there was a there's a band called the uh, not a band, what do they call themselves? A, a chorale called the Spooky Men from Australia, and they toured England. And they happened to have a a free date between one place and London, and we were in the middle. And somebody locally said, "Come and play here," and they said, "Well, we will if you can put us up." So they basically asked us on the Facebook group who'd put them up and I had two spooky men living in my house for the night <laughs> <laughs> so I have I have come across it the, the opposite side of it but isn't wow. it it's, you're traveling through you know you're traveling vicariously no <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah maybe I'll have to you know get good at writing songs and go off and have a go at doing all that myself <laughs> so um so you ended up uh in Italy and you're aside from the current pandemic issues, you know, in one place now, that must be quite a contrast given how much traveling you did. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I do everything to excess and then you find <laughs> you move through life quicker, you know, you, you burn through your desires and then you, you just can move on to the next thing and we get through life much quicker. You get to the end. <laughs> so there... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure everyone's aspiring to do that so quickly, but <laughs> I don't mean that you live your life quick. I don't mean that you live less, you die quicker. You just get to the next lesson quicker because life is a series of lessons. And yeah. if you don't learn that lesson, it keeps repeating. So yeah. A lot of people are just staying home after school every day. Yes. Yeah. So one of the questions I ask um, people who come on here that are doing something quite unusual is sort of how you, how you sort of turned what you really wanted to do into some sort of money-making sort of um, business type scenario. Um, you know, some people come on who've got very traditional experiences and, and businesses that everybody sort of understands. And then, you know, there's other people like yourself where it's it's out of a lot of people's experiences. Um, t- t- tell us a bit about that transition into now what you're doing. Well, it's happened many times. The latest time now is this with this pod songs and there's there's 1,100,000 podcasts and I don't know, 
10 million musicians. I don't know how many hundreds of releasing music on Spotify, but I'm the only person who has a podcast where that I know of. There's a podcast where I write songs about the guests. Uh-huh. So I've, so because I did to promote last, my last album, Deeper, I, I worked with a podcast agent who I found, who, I, who connected us. And so I started doing lots of podcasts. And then I thought, well, I'm really enjoying this. This is kind of a passion. Talking about myself is great. So I said, well, I can combine the two. I should have my own podcast and I write biographical songs anyway. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a troubadour. I write about the places I've been, the people I've met. I've written many songs about, you know, interesting people um, just to have more material because once you've written about yourself and the girls, it's not much else to write about. So I just kind of like combined these kind of, it's obvious once you, once it's there, you know. It stares you in the face. Why didn't I think of this before? Why didn't I write song, interview people and write songs about them? It's kind of obvious now, but it took me a long time to get here. <laughs> I can see why, because it's not something I would have thought was obvious. But <laughs> yeah. so, so how does that process work then? So I'm thinking, you know, my podcast, I, you know, I book people ahead. I don't know them at all until I turn up, you know, 10 minutes before we start recording. And, you know, here we are. Here's the interview. How does that work when you're writing a song about that person? Well, I'm doing three episodes a week, so that's 12, wow. three so- yeah, 12 songs a month. That's an album a month, 156 songs a year. And I have a virtual assistant. Um, I had one from when I had my copywriting business in the Philippines, and she finds guests for me. So she's messaging every guest from all the top podcasts, Joe Rogan, you know, London Real, et cetera, et cetera, all the mm-hmm. you know, thousands of people I've asked to be on it. And um, so then they, they get interested. They say, yeah, I'll come on because uh, it would, you're going to write a song about me. I've never been asked no one's ever offered to write a song about me. That's so interesting. Yeah. I've got, you know, really famous people, you know, famous professors, you know, this kind of podcast level, not celebrities, but uh, people who are, you know, have a hundred thousand followers on Twitter kind of thing. Yeah. And okay. so they're very interesting. And they've all written books, you know, they've written, they've written psycho- psychology, psychology professors, um, uh, scientists, um, lawyers, politicians. So they're all different. So they've all written a book. And so I can write a song about the book. So that's quite easy. I don't really have to search for the inspiration. And um, when do you do it in terms of your process? Straight after the interview. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You have to do it while the iron is hot and you're stimulated. Otherwise, it's big, you're never, you know, it's either going to take an hour to do it or 20 if you leave it later. Mm hmm. And what about that whole inspiration thing? So, you know, some people talk about, um, you know, needing to wait for inspiration to strike. <laughs> and then and whether that be, you know, writing songs, writing books, creating anything. And then, you know, there's, there's a, a whole host of um, advice and books and everything else about, you know, just create that opportunity and just get on with it because, you know, that's how it works you don't wait for inspiration otherwise it never happens sort of thing sure um, sure as you say you're you're sort of doing that straight away but I mean I'm thinking you know I love talking to my podcast guests and you know it's a really great opportunity if I knew I had to write a song at the end of it every time <laughs> it might make it slightly more stressful and slightly less enjoyable yeah um, but I've written hundreds of songs so yeah, yeah. that's what you do isn't it it's one of my guests said what is what is what is ordinary to you is amazing to other people and that's the basis of podcasting yes yes and how did you sort of start writing songs in the first place I was in a band when I was about 18 so I was just kind of had to write them for the band so yeah just kind of gradually happened yes didn't I didn't not when I was young or anything so yeah so what does what do you what did your day look like normally? So you've you've just introduced podcasting into it and writing mm-hmm. stories, uh, writing stories, writing songs. Is that what you would normally be doing anyway? Even if you weren't interviewing people, you'd be just writing songs. She says, as if it's just the sort of. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, before I started pod songs in the summer, my day was my energy was a lot more fragmented. So I'd you know I'd do different things. You know I'd work on some writing or another project or I'd do in the garden or I'd go for a cycle ride or I'd you know my energy is very dispersed, but, um, I've really, since I've pushed all my energies down one channel now, I'm really experiencing success because I'm putting all my energies into one thing mm-hmm. and that boat is going a lot faster. Mm. And how did you make that happen? It's something that, um, is quite difficult to 
to do exactly what you just said that you know a lot of us tend to do this and that and have five things on the go at once and all that sort of thing how did you get to just be doing this one thing well I was convinced that it's going to be successful and if I was just if I just did one episode a week and I had time to keep going on all my other habits and mm. diversions I would not be able to do it it would be a lot harder if you if I just ditch everything else and focus on completely on this one thing it's also a lot easier because you can eliminate other distractions mm. and you don't realize how much because I've lived from work from home as a writer and a musician for 20 years and you that you can disperse so much time by you know stuff home, homework in the house cleaning fixing your garden you know doing all 101 different things and also self-improvement practices meditation yoga but when you really say okay this is going to work i have to do this i'm really going to work around the clock on it yes then it's much easier because yeah you you're convinced it's going to work so mm -hmm. if you but if you're not if it's like oh well I, i'm more i'm doing my embroidery business and i've got this uh i'm doing a podcast and i'm also trying to learn the piano and i'm all you know it's all these different things but if everything's pushed in if all the if the you know if all if you row if all the oars are in the water and pulling in the same direction you know i'm going to learn piano because i need to be better on the pod songs i'm going to get articulation lessons because i need to be better on this i'm going to get a better computer because it's also for pod songs mm -hmm. everything is all the oars are rowing and then you then you pick up speed you know mm -hmm. and so throwing yourself all into that how do you then um sort of integrate that with the rest of your life so you know you were talking about getting distracted by life and um, now you're being very focused how do you sort of stop doing that and and, and do life again or <laughs> do you not <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a curve it's a curve so in the, in the initial six months one year you need to do it you need to just sacrifice everything but then inevitably even doing three episodes a week i'm still and writing songs you know i've got i get into a routine you know monday we're in the studio recording all the songs Tuesday I re-sing, do a few interviews. I'm finished on the weekend, you know. Mm. So, you know, once it's just that huge learning curve, getting up to speed and all that stress. And then afterwards, it's once, you know, it's when you're rowing a boat, it picks up momentum mm. and then you glide. And so Yes, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, so what's the what does the end sort of product look like? So you you've got um your podcast you write the song and then is the song part of the podcast when it goes out as as well yep it's at the end of the show so that we say goodbye to the guests and then the song is magically out of air out of the ethos appears so it makes it look like you've just written it like in yeah. three seconds <laughs> yeah I, I, you know in the first episode i was going to be like um ah, oh, but people want to hear i'm going to i'm going to talk for two minutes about how i write the lyrics or how i was inspired and then i'm going to introduce the different instruments in the song and I did this for one episode and people told me, yeah, I wasn't really that interested. Just <laughs> just wanted to hear the song, really. So in the end, I've just cut everything out and it's wham, bam. <laughs> yes, yeah. And people actually, people are happier. So I find that we all have these grandiose ideas of how how it should be, how the castle should be. And then really it, people just want it simple. So Yes, yeah. And did you say it becomes then an album in the end as well? Every tw every month I release an album. I reach twelve songs just because on Spotify and it's easier yeah. to sell an album for 10, 10 euros, ten pounds. Yeah, but yeah. it's really it's a continuous process, so they're yeah. not really albums, but it's just a way to monetize it. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's it's just like so. When I regularly talk to my guests about, you know, you're doing something that you didn't intend to do when you were at school because it didn't exist, sort of thing, and you mm, know, just mm. thinking back to you know, I. I did I did music O level and music A level and not that I was ever any good at writing songs or composing or anything. Um, but you know, there wasn't anyone really there that was thinking they'd go away and create songs and stick them out on technology that didn't yet exist. <laughs> well, there's probably a podcast school in the in the polytechnic now. Podcast yes. So that would yeah. never have Yeah. But you just think, you know, then we, we were talking about, you know, vinyl and because I am that old. And, um, you know, and, and there was only one way of doing everything. And, and now how many different ways there are to get that stuff out that we wouldn't have even contemplated. Mm, oh, yes. It's incredible. Mm. I've missed vinyl. It'd be much better. 
but anyway <laughs> yeah well but, you know the, the costs that for me are yes dramatically if it wasn't if, if i had to print yes. cds and send them out i couldn't be doing this project no without no. spotify i can upload my podcast to anchor.fm and i can upload to the orchard who who distributed to spotify mm. itunes everywhere mm. Mm. you know i do it overnight so you know this i'm a product of the times with this project as well yes yeah absolutely very exciting so talk a bit about how you uh organize yourself how you make sure you get done what you need to get done well i have these i have these seven rolling tasks and i have them on um uh, a, you know block of wood so i can I, when i move one they slide down so they're on an angle so one i move one to the top because i have, have these seven keep repetitive tasks that you you know you keep doing yeah whatever they were different for every person but so instead so i'm always work on the top thing and then when that's done i move that to the bottom so that i'm always this cycle of tasks is very important you know because so that i don't don't my my mind is not fragmented into a hundred different directions because these tasks are repetitive you know they, they're different for everyone it could be empty inbox you know and then you do that one and then you just oh write write the book and then that one goes you know so mm -hmm. or write the article and you do if you want to be successful you have to keep these repetitive tasks like you know write blog article and yeah. then you've done it and it moves to the bottom but if it's just if it's if it's too big you know write a whole book it's not going to <laughs> It's too yeah. if you're focused on the one thing. But in this day and age, when we're all fighting email and answering things, then we need to you need to cycle through these tasks. Yes, yeah, yeah. The the whole thing about repetitive tasks and creating those sorts of structures, I think, is is so important. I was just talking to a a, a client of mine earlier, and we were talking about um, his blogging and podcasting process, and we were trying to sort of work out the pattern so that you know, it happens as it needs to every month, you know, mm. with ease, without any friction, because um, it's just set in that way. Um, and it's so much easier at, when you have things, as you say, that that just, you know, you do this, then you do that, and then you do mm. that. <laughs> mm. You know, it, it just makes things happen. I, I always talk about, um, like, creating a vacuum as well, that if you can create, like, a structure mm. that is there, then you have to fill the gaps because you know nature gets you to fill those gaps sort of thing and uh, exactly yeah it's so helpful as well and what about technology for sort of getting things done you, you obviously you're benefiting from technology in terms of what you do <laughs> mm -hmm. um oddly almost when we talk about um you know being a super troubadour <laughs> but you know in those <laughs> days right, they'd, yeah. have had, they'd have had their what do they play mandolins or something and mm, mm, mm. and that would have been it that would have been the, the extent of their technology <laughs> you, yeah. you've obviously got the modern world creating a whole new way of being do you and then you've just talked about wood <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do you use technology outside of the obvious that you've talked about already uh, or not no i tried trello and it was just to, it becomes becomes a place you dump things to do so <laughs> and then ignore you know, yeah yeah it's better to have it so you know it's with my my tasks you know the um uh, i don't include the seven the daily tasks but you know it could be make artwork record the song write the song re-sing read edit the episode upload the song find more guests so these kind of things i don't include the tasks that uh you know you have to do every day like interviews and researching the guests and social yeah. media don't 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 write these things down but just have you know what's the, the main thing you know if if i had to do one thing today this has to be done just do that because mm -hmm. you spend too much time dispersing your energy, you know, emptying your inbox or things like that. Really just focus on one thing, get the, what's going to, what's going to, if I just did to do this one thing, what will get me the most results? Yeah. Make, give me the most bang for my buck. What's that? And mm -hmm. concentrate on that. And then if you have time, do the other things, you know, mm -hmm. you sound like you're, you're very strategic in your thoughts and, and, sort of action taking so you talked about working with uh, an agency to to get you onto podcasts you took and to find guests um and you're as you say very focused on what's the the thing the one thing that you need need to do mm -hmm. do you think that's that's something that you've always done it sounded a bit like that when you were talking about your sort of previous business career is it something you've always done or is it something that you've you've sort of learned as you've gone 
Well, I was splashing around a lot in the water and make wasting a lot of energy, you know, like I, mm. you know, I toured around America, you know, I've had more energy than strategy. <laughs> you know, I just would, silly, when you're a musician, you're supposed to tour concentrically, you're supposed to have a base and then tour out locally and build up a fan base with that. I just, you know, I had this huge energy and it just send me off on the road for a couple of months, you know, and then mm. without thinking, you know, engaging the brain. So no, this strategicness is really only becoming because I am. I have this clear idea now with pod songs, and a podcast is a very easy thing. It's a everyone, you know, you you know what you have to get the listeners to go to to the Apple, you know, mm -hmm. download the podcast, subscribe, write the review, everything. The whole system is there. So, mm -hmm. and you know, it's it's very easy like that. So, yeah. no, I'm not not a great strategic thinker, and it's just I'm benefiting now because I really want this to work. Yes, yeah, but I guess I guess it does also then come down to routines, doesn't it? That that's that's perhaps the the difference. It's when you talk, we talk about doing, you know, the most important thing or just doing one thing. Mm -hmm. One of the beauties of doing something like a podcast is that it is the same each time. It's just different. <laughs> if you see what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I get better at it. It's just the and every time the guests more get more well known, so you know yeah. the guests get more and more followers and the followers yeah. of the guests will bring the audience. Yes. Yeah. And I just think back, you know, I've been doing this podcast for quite a, a time now. And um, I just think how at times it can be quite painful to begin with because the process wasn't in place and, you know, it kept being tweaked and it kept changing. I mean, I, I use um, Asana for my list of, of things mm -hmm. to do for each podcast and the amount of times that I changed the process and then had to go and change all the ones that I'd already got set up with people listed against them <laughs> to, to make sure that I got all of those steps done. But, you know, I haven't changed it now for, I don't know, probably 18 months because I honed it sufficiently that it, you know, it just runs. So it's interesting. If how... only we'd studied this at the Polytechnic, it would have been so much better. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Saved ourselves a hell of a lot of learning curve. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, probably people are studying it now and in mm -hmm. five years' time they'll be they'll still be having this discussion. They'll have moved on and found something else difficult. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Benefit of this. So before we um do interviews, I I, I asked my guests for some questions that uh, I could potentially ask. And uh, you asked uh or suggested that I ask you how has I I can even say it. Hi Ayurveda. Oh, I've said it wrong again. <laughs> Ayurveda. I just think like Darth Vader, are you Darth Vader? That's, are you yeah, Vader? that's the trouble. I don't know about you. I get these words in my head that I think I'm going to say wrong and then I can never say them right. <laughs> but, so how has it helped you? It's something. Oh, that's that been great. Me. Yeah. I mean, that's really helped me physically and um, mentally also, but uh, it's a, it's a holistic health program. Um, I started to be a practitioner and I've learned so much from it. It's uh, how to eat seasonally, how to live you know, the types of foods, how they, how, and how different activities can put you in balance and out of balance. And yeah. is, that the, is that the one where you should eat different things depending on your body type or something? Is that yeah, there's a dosha. It's better to do it seasonally because, or unless you have a real imbalance, there's Vata Pitta Kapha and mm. there's the different doshas. So, yeah, you know, it's the hot and cold people, the dry and dry, uh, moist people, the, um heavy light so the, you know the different doshas are, have these these 20 different qualities mm. and you can balance yourself so yeah, with opposites yeah really fascinating it should be should be taught in school it's fantastic and where has it come from and where did you find it i found it when i was living in amsterdam but it's an indian it's originally an indian uh, science uh, science science of life mm. it's like chinese medicine yeah. yin and yin and yang but uh yeah, it's very, very good. Yeah. I recommend people study about it. It's too much to go into now, but I have written an album about it, which explains it very clearly. Of <laughs> and that's on Spotify and people can listen to songs because they're in sutras originally. So in Sanskrit sutras, because people remembered it in poetry form um, in the old days. Yes. So you go to the doctor and then you'd recite the poem to remember what, how to treat you and what medicine to give you. <laughs> that's really cool. So, so that's just begging a question what's what's the most unusual thing that you've written that you've written a song about and what haven't you written songs about yet that you will <laughs> uh, well uh with the pod songs i mean it's just whoever i get on i've just you know i've written uh what's the written songs about urine therapy 
that was one of the latest ones. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, logotherapy. It's a psychiatrist. Um, Shane Claiborne, but he's a Christian in America about beating guns into garden tools. Um, mouth breather. That was about nose breathing. Oh this- yeah. I've listened to a podcast about that recently. I'll have to listen to yours to get the song version. <laughs> was it uh, Patrick McEwen? He's on every. He's yes, on... yes, he was on. Yeah, yeah he was on um, uh, Dr. Chatterjee's podcast in the UK. So yes, that was. Uh... Yeah, I wrote a song for him. Come out, So wow. uh, <laughs> yeah, and um, I interviewed uh, Iyad El Baghdadi, who was a protester in um, after the Arab Spring. He was in. He's in, from yeah. Saudi Arabia, but he's exiled exiled to Norway. Uh, um, called uh, Arab Tyrant Manual. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Sean Carroll, a physicist, something stay deeply hidden. Uh, Rupert Sheldrake about one science wants one free miracle to explain everything. It's um, <laughs> amazing. And yeah. is there a connection between music and Ayurveda? Um, well, it was in sutra form. It was in poetic form. So that's the way they remembered it. But no, mm-hmm. not really. Mm-hmm. But I, with my songs, I um, I make them make songs and describe lyrics, describe Agni and armor and the doshas and things like that. Uh-huh. So just so I can explain it to people in an easy, easy to understand way, you know, a pop yeah. song is a three minute explanation of anything. So, yes. Yeah. So I was um, checking out your, oh, was it your website when I was um, arranging to speak to you? And I saw a, a video of people from all sorts of places um sort of singing your song and you said it you were supposed to record a, a, a video for the song and you couldn't and you got people involved to do the video for you in effect how did you do that it was yeah that was the, um, the first lockdown back in march <clears throat> and it was um i just asked all my friends and fans from all around the world to to lip sync the song for me uh-huh. and because they because they you know it's a lot to ask people to memorize and lip sync a three minute song so i divided them up in different verses and yes. do, how can i how can i divide them up well i'll get i'll get the youngest people to sing the first verse etc etc yeah yeah finish with the old people and it's a song about worry so it gives a really nice effect that people sing about how they're worrying themselves to death mm-hmm. as they age through the video yes yeah and i think it was really effective I, there was a bit where um they've been as you say sort of lip syncing and then and then it sort of flashed up and the person didn't sing and i thought Oh, I wonder if, you know, they'd think, oh, a bit of a swizz, I didn't get to sing. And then I realised that you were doing it in time to the beat of the music. It was going black and then showing somebody, then go black and showing somebody. I thought, oh, no, that works really well with the song. Oh, <laughs> and then thank they, you, thank you. They did come back in and do their lip syncing as well. <laughs> and a lot of them are Italian, so yes. I had to yes. cut a lot of them out because they didn't lip sync very well. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we won't tell them that. No, 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 no. <laughs> Some people didn't make the cut. It was a hundred people, so yeah, it's worth background worry. Go go check it out on YouTube. Yes, yeah, definitely worth a look. So uh, you talked about um, Ayurveda already. How else do you make sure you keep yourself healthy and and energized to do the work that you do? Um, at the moment, not so much. But uh, before, I did a lot of cycling and uh, yoga and meditation and pranayama. Um, I got into after. After Ayurveda, when I was in India, I got into metaphysics, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of the you know the you know yogis, yogis yeah. they're like a real yogi is like not doing downward facing dog all day. They're doing the proper yogic practices, uh-huh. our, our pranayama, mantra, um, concentration. These are the serious. This is real yoga. So I got into that, but in a very roundabout way. Um, I was getting all these synchronicities about Kundalini when uh-huh. I was in India, and I never, I didn't know what Kundalini was. Do you know what Kundalini is? It's a form of yoga, I think, because I keep it, hearing people tell me that they're doing it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's actually the it's actually uh, the energy at the base of your it's it's the energy that you use in all your body, but the the ninety nine percent of it is at the base of your spine, right? And that you've got enough you've got enough down there to, you know, like a, a nuclear bomb down there. So when you can raise Kundalini up, Shushumna through up the spine, then you raise it through the chakras um, right. and you raise it up to the crown chakra and then you become enlightened and cosmic consciousness and then ascension. So that's what the Buddha did and Jesus 
And so all the major religions, they talk about this in a secretive way, because if you raise Kundalini, if you do a lot of Kundalini yoga, you can paralyze yourself. You know, it's easy to take the genie out of the bottle, but you should never bring up what you can't put back down. So, you know, if you do all these pranayama practices and um, mantra, you, you, you open, you, you clean all your nadis and you accelerate your energies and you can have these cosmic, you know, these incredible experiences, but it's, it's very dangerous. So um, anyway, mm. it's a lot to take in, I'm sure. But uh, so this Kundalini is, we all, you all have it and you will, you don't get reborn. You know, you can be like the Buddha and ascend when you've raised Kundalini and can control it and put it back down many times. So. Wow. Yeah. Not something to go into on a, on a, <laughs> but you did ask. Yes. Yes, I did. Yes. Well, I'll, I'll um, be aware of that in a different way now then. Cause I keep seeing people talking about Kundalini yoga, but it sounds mm. like that's perhaps a, a sort of popular term for sort of what they're doing rather than what you've just described. Uh, yeah, I guess everything's been westernized. So, mm -hmm. but really, yeah, and it's mantra, it's holding your breath. Uh, so that because because we take in prana through our breath, obviously. Mm -hmm. But if you stop that breath, then the prana comes in through the chakras. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's pranayama means purification of the chakras and this cleaning of the body and pushing in. Because when you meditate, you kind of still the waters, you know, mm -hmm. you, you, you meditate so that you're not so, you know, batshit crazy and um, stressed <laughs> out. You know? Yeah. But yeah. that's not, you're not, you know, you're not pumping up the, the wattage in the body, you know, you're not improving the anymore, you know, you're not with the pranayama and the, the mantra, you, you, with the mantra, you spin your aura when you say in Sanskrit, because we're all sound, you know, we're all sound vibrations. So you're actually spinning your aura and throwing off sankharas. So it's, it's magic. It's a magical technique mm. if you do it right. And if you do it enough, hundreds of thousands of millions of times, you, you would have very fantastic mystical experiences, none of which I have had, mm -hmm. just purely speaking from the theory. But yeah. so when these yogis get these superpowers, you know, they can walk on, you know, they can walk on water and yeah. you know, leave the body and do astral projection and have these, have these incredible skills and powers because they've done these very intensive practices and they have the concentration mm -hmm. abilities to concentrate on a leaf for, for eight hours without moving a muscle you know so yeah yeah these are the are these the people i don't know which um uh culture that it's in like the people who sit on posts for like three weeks and things like that it's a, it's the yogic practices yeah. but these yeah. in this age now we're into um the, the aquarian age service is the way to go you're not supposed to do these practices because the real yoga is karma yoga now service to others if you go into a monastery for years you're you're just trying you're very selfish you're just trying to develop yourself and in in days gone by maybe that was the order of the day but now we're in the age of service to others you, sh mm -hmm. you know you have to go among the people and be of service oh, so, okay you, if you don't do any deep breathing exercises, if you if your next door neighbor needs help, you know you can do it in the morning because you you can do you know it does help you, but you shouldn't devote your life to these practices. Mm -hmm. Getting very deep. Mm, it has got, it's got suddenly got very deep in here. <laughs> so I don't know which direction this next question is going to take us, but you said to also ask you about the Aetherius Society, which. I've okay. seen again in your bio. So I know it's something that you're involved with. So what is it? We're going deeper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, when I was in, um, when I was in India, I was in, came through this, I, I expected to find, you know, if you're going to find a guru, you expect yeah. to find, you know, someone in robes and, you know, maybe levitating off the ground or in, in India, you know, it's, it's, it will be nice to know, but I, I've this day and age, I found him through YouTube in uh, in america mm -hmm. and he was a he's a american yogi who's never been to india but he studied all these practices and um so he's very advanced but he's just oh. you know this big black guy like uh, looks like a quarterback and uh, talks and talking about all these sanskrit terms and so he was doing mantras since he was three years old and he's very developed but anyway his so in his master he introduced me to the theorist society which is a yorkshireman dr okay. george king who's now passed on but he was um 
So, so I kind of I'm in India learning from an American via YouTube about the Ethereum Society in England, which is it's a tiny organization. I think it's a couple of thousand people, and they're based in Fulham Road in in London, and they've also got one in uh, one in America. That's where Dr. King went as well. So, yeah, the master of yoga for this age is a Yorkshireman, right? Which is pr- which is pretty crazy. I mean. Of course, you say I come from Yorkshire. I just knew that that was going to be the case. <laughs> but, you know, if, I think I had to go to India to learn to be, because if you're told that, you just wouldn't accept no. it. You know, it's just too far out. Yes, yes. So yeah, it's just crazy. So he's he founded the Ethereum Society. So so he did like ten years of intense yoga practices. So he, you know, you know, imagine being able to sit down for 16 hours without moving a muscle i mean that's beyond that's just yeah. the basics though so. you can imagine that <laughs> yeah and then holding your breath for incredible amounts of time and so you put incredible pressure on this kundalini and then you can rise it up and then he became he did it enough times he became a master of yoga so it's basically a superman for us because you get all these um um yeah superpowers i can't remember what they're called in sanskrit but um all these ones you've read about, uh, you know, levitation or, you know, being able to, you know, leave the body at will and go to the other realms and things like that. So, mm-hmm. and so he could communicate with even higher people and he got all these teachings and which I've read and studied and they're fantastic. They go beyond, you know, what I'd read in these Sanskrit teachings and these uh, ancient Indian texts. They, 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 it says the same thing, you know, it goes, it explains, so it's all in the same tradition. But then it goes beyond. It tells you what happens after uh, ascension, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so and it's a lot to go into now. But uh, you can check from the Ethereum website, and if you're interested, you can study yourself. But I'd definitely go with an open mind because it is a lot to take in. Yes, yeah. Okay, so last couple of questions, um, and I'm very interested to the answer to this one. <laughs> so, on those days when it goes horribly wrong, when you have a bad day, how do you deal with it? Well, I have my sliding tasks, so you know, just yes. move up to the next one. So if I'm if I'm not inspired, I'll just pardon me, I'll just do some database work, you know. And if I'm not, you know, if my energy's up uh-huh. and I'm feeling creative, I'll do the other song. So you just shift into because all the tasks have because I'm a one man band, you know, I've got a researcher and two musicians. Work with. <laughs> yeah. So so there's always, you know, if I'm feeling, you know, really down, I could just sit in bed and copy off, you know, and check Twitter feeds of mm-hmm. potential guests. Or, and if I'm really up for it and engaged, you know, I'll write a, an amazing song or I'll just do some mundane or, you know, re-singing. So always working on something, but just to suit your mood a little bit because I'm not in full control of my mental faculties. Mm-hmm. So very much about sort of energy. still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about those days where you get to live more? And that's how I uh, describe or what I describe as getting to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do. What do those days look like for you? <laughs> well, I'm I'm very isolated here in the south of Italy. And I don't have many friends. So um, the people I speak to on the podcast, uh, I pour my energy into that. And also we're in lockdown. Um, so we can't go out. So I'm very limited. So yeah, I don't have those free times. I'm not allowed out of the house. So. No, yeah, it's gone. Lockdown's quite hard down there at the moment, isn't it? We've got friends um, in uh, Naples, and uh, they're not quite as low down as you, are they? But um, oh, wow, yeah, inside the city of Naples. Uh, they're somewhere near NATO, wherever that is. So they're not far from. Because mm, people in the cities are definitely struggling more. We can we're in the countryside more, so we can go out for, you know, sneak yeah. out for walks and things. But yeah. Yeah, no, there's, not, there's not much they have to drive to go to places like that. So, yeah, I think they're, they're allowed to walk the dog and that's about it. Um, and mm-hmm. that's just down the street sort of thing. So, yeah, it, um, it was awful, wasn't it? And then it seemed like everything was fine for ages and then it all sort of kicked off again, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been rough for the Italians also losing a lot of money, you know, because they, they don't have a lot of savings. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's been very difficult with the lockdown. I think uh, one of my guests was um, one of the authors of uh, the Great Barrington Declaration. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. Yeah, check it out. Great Barrington Declaration. He was a he's an epidemiologist, so he knows a few things from Harvard University, and yeah, he's, he signed it together with a university professor from Oxford, uh-huh. one from Stanford, and they just say that the lockdown measures cause greater harm 
you know, in terms of economics and suicides and right, yeah, de- teenage depression, what well, depression and everything, and uh, yeah, so so the mm-hmm. lockdown measures are, are uh, causing more harm than good, mm-hmm. and so these these epidemiologists came out and signed this declaration. So I wrote a song called for him, "What's Pandemic Protocol," which <laughs> is uh, because these all the you know pandemics are you know, they're not new and all these governments have protocols, but they kind of threw them out the window when, um, when the media got COVID between its teeth. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's been really interesting talking to you. (laughs) It's been different. Yeah. I was going to say probably the most unusual podcast interview I've done (laughs) with a wide ranging, uh, topics and, uh, a load of, uh, places to to scurry off to to uh to listen to the songs and uh mm, mm. find out more about your guests on your podcast so thank you jack it's been it's been great talking to you tell people how they can find out more about you and get in touch great podsongs.com or just search through all the channels um for jack stafford and i'm on there brilliant thanks for your time today all right joe my pleasure all this information is available in the show notes if you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash in this case 203 then you'll find them there and this week i just want to talk about outsourcing it's the week's topic within the theme for april of share which is my fourth fundamental and we've talked quite a lot about outsourcing at recent power to live more calm gold calls we started talking about automation and about getting systems and processes streamlined and able to be automated and then that naturally led on to talking about outsourcing And it's something that many people are interested in, but I don't think many people do for a number of reasons. I think one of them is finding the right people to outsource to. I think also people often think it's too expensive and not yet possible within a smaller business before you've grown enough to be able to afford to outsource. Although I would argue potentially you need to outsource in order to grow your business because then you can outsource the things that you're either not so good at or don't need to be doing in order to give you time to really focus on the things that you're really good at and will really help you to drive your business forwards. And I think other people don't end up outsourcing because it does take a bit of effort to set up in the first place. I've already mentioned the importance of setting up processes and streamlining them so that you've got something that's streamlined and working really well before you then outsource it because obviously you don't want to outsource a sort of bloated system that's going to cost you a lot more money than you need to be paying because it's a sort of a convoluted system. Having said that, if you're outsourcing to somebody who really knows what they're doing in relation to whatever that task is, then sometimes you don't need to create a really slick process because the person that you're giving the job to will be able to do that on your behalf. So it is very much dependent on who you're going to outsource to, what you're outsourcing and why you're outsourcing it. And I've talked many times in the past about the fact that I used to have a real bottleneck in my podcast publishing process. Well, in fact, I had a few. The main one that caused me no end of issues and meant that I didn't always publish a regular podcast was writing my show notes. I didn't want to do them, didn't like doing them. It took up too much of my time and really caused issues. And so I went out and did a bit of Googling, which is what I call my superpower. (laughs) And I found an organisation called Lidwell Writing Services, who have been writing my podcast show notes ever since. And they do a brilliant job and they just get on with it. I don't have to do very much other than record the podcast and you know do those bits and then they write all the show notes and I then just publish those on my website and in fact I I don't publish them or I I press the button at the end (laughs) but the main bulk of the work getting those show notes onto the website is actually done by my VA so I'm outsourcing that bit of it as well and actually she now takes on the final editing of the podcast and has been doing that for the last I think probably a couple of years now which again has taken another delay out of the process and created a natural deadline for this my outro which again I've talked about before sometimes the podcast didn't quite get published 
on Friday mornings like I like to publish it because I hadn't done the outro and then I had to get on and edit the podcast and everything else. As soon as I outsourced that final part of the process, it gave me a deadline of a Wednesday night or in this case, early Thursday morning um, to get the outro done for my VA because she can't do her job unless I've done my job. So there's a whole host of reasons why outsourcing can be really useful to you. So from that experience, those examples I've shared with you, it can be about freeing you up to do the things that you do best. It can be about taking some of the blocks out of your processes and getting stuff done on a more consistent, regular basis. It might be getting your work done better by somebody who's better at that bit of it than you are. And then there's that whole opportunity cost thing, which is that by taking out some of that work that you don't need to be doing, that you can pay somebody else to do, that gives you more quality time for your own part of your business. So the the, the work that's only for you to do, the work that you do the best, the work that helps you to grow your business and work really well with your clients. So if you're not outsourcing already, then have a think about the sorts of things that are either holding you up in your business or that you're doing that you don't enjoy or where you know you're not the best person to be doing that job and think about the next steps that you can take in order to outsource that to somebody who is the best person for that job. If you'd like to explore how you might be able to outsource some of the tasks that you have within your business, then why not book in a call with me if you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash calm call c-a-l-m-c-a-l-l calm call then we can book in a time to have a no obligation chat and see how i might be able to help you again the show notes for this week's show are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 203 and we look forward to speaking to you next week use your power to live more